This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, do you have a sticky organization or is it more like Teflon? Do your employees feel a sense of belonging and ownership? Do they take pride in their work? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, Carm Capriato here. Welcome. Dr. Dave Wyman simplifies what it means to have a sticky culture and some warning signs to avoid in your business. Stick around. Hey, thanks to our partner Napa for providing you this episode. You know, since its relaunch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member site has continued to evolve to keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, benefits, and other information available to help their business thrive. If you're a Napa Auto Care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal. If you're not a Napa Auto Care Center, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store to learn more about how to join the Napa family. Hey, welcome to Remarkable Results Radio. Honored to have Dr. Dave Wyman. Hello, Dr. Dave. Hello. Good to be with you again. Thank you so much. Great company, WymanConsulting.com, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can see him, psychologist. And you have been so kind to grace us with previous episodes. And, and I so appreciate your insight and your outlook. So thank you for being here. We want to talk about creating a sticky organization. I've used that word, Dr. Day, for years and trying to create magnetism, if you will, with the great resignation and the shortage of quality people and, you know, the struggle with great incentive pay plans to engage and keep people. Culture, I think, has so much to do with this. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a great, great discussion, you and I, building career paths. I want to go over some of the talking points that you and I are going to cover today so that I think we can set the listener up for, oh, this is going to be kind of cool. We're going to talk about these particular strategies on what do we mean by being sticky? What are some of the elements of a sticky organization? Mistakes you've seen companies make and how to approach creating an organization that's a magnet or a sticky organization. So stickiness is... The attraction a team member has to a place that makes it very difficult for a competitor to pull them away and get them to go somewhere else. And that, that they are loyal, they're in the flow when they're there, there's camaraderie and cohesion for the most part among the team. We know that's not always the case. But that stickiness to me is that somebody else could come along and offer them just more money or just a different a set of hours, and that would not be enough to pull that person away and get them to work somewhere else. That there's so many things keeping them stuck to your organization that it would be very difficult for a competitor to pull them away from you. Every once in a while, Dave, I hear the words golden handcuffs. Now, this isn't anything like that because a golden handcuff would be maybe the share of a business or, you know, maybe that person would want to stay because they're going to be a future owner someday. This is completely different, right? Right. This is a culture that people really enjoy hanging around. <laughs> they, they would stop by to say hello, even if they didn't, weren't working that day, that kind of place. I love what you said. Even if it's a couple of more bucks and maybe, you know, one less hour a week, it's not a compelling enough reason to leave a high profile, if you will, sticky organization. What are some of the elements that you've seen entrepreneurs, owners work on to build a sticky organization? Creating a place that people want to be, that physically they just enjoy being there. So I'll take this out of the realm 
of shops for a bit or service organizations. And we used to have in Pennsylvania a Psychologically Healthy Workplace Award that the uh, State Psychological Association gave. And we went out to interview people at a hair studio. And on the second floor of the hair studio, there was a lounge for employees. There was a place for them to grab lunch. There was a place for them to just hang out. And they loved it. So they didn't go off-site to go grab lunch. They stayed there because they enjoyed each other's company and they enjoyed the place. It, it had a kind of a funky feel, a funky environment to it. And that was really important to them. So what does that reflect? Some of the key elements that I think are super important are shared values, that we in this organization, this team, no matter how big or small, have shared values. We value the same things, whether that's being honest or being direct or really valuing providing service to people that we value that. Um, I had had this experience, which I had shared with you on another podcast, of trouble with my car and pulling into a service station that was a block away from where I have a, a summer place. And the father and the son were just like diagnosing together this sort of easy back and forth. I recommended them to somebody else who had a flat tire and was also a block away exact same location that I was having this second place. And they drove over and got the exact same experience that I did, where in this case, the son came out and looked at it and said, go inside. It was an older gentleman. It was a hot day. He said, go inside, go inside, sit down. 15 minutes, this will be fine. And so the father and son's values there, and it's not just because they're related. It's because they understand how to treat people, because they understand that when somebody's car is not safe, and for whatever reason that is, that the person's anxious and getting that resolved and, and handling that person as a whole person mattered to both people. That's what I mean by shared values. That when you're talking to anybody in that service station, that shop, you're going to get the same kind of care from them. I mean, I've had years and years of these experiences where I felt at sea, and so I don't know whether it's luck or this was all preparing me to have these conversations with you, but so many times I could tell right away when I pulled up, do they value a complete stranger or not? And in the two examples I gave you from the place that's just a block away from where I have this summer place, complete strangers. But the value of treating the customer, putting the, making the customer feel secure and taken care of. We also both had the experience, by the way, in talking about it afterwards, of gladly paying more than what we were charged. We both were like, I would have paid more for what they did um, for that service. So the shared values are key. I think trust is super important for creating a sticky organization, that we trust each other, that we can rely on one another and what the other person is saying to us, not just from the owner to the team, but among one another. And speaking of owners, an ownership culture where people are in, empowered to make decisions without always going back to the boss, where they can do that without feeling like there's this chain of command that they have to run things through. And I don't mean that means like, oh, we're going to paint the front of the place a different color because we feel like it that day. But I mean, for decisions that help a customer that people are empowered to do that and don't feel like they're always checking with someone else. I want you to pause there for a minute because, you know, every time I'm in an interview, I love to take all of a sudden, bam, my brain fires and, and it goes right to my hand into my pen and I write things down. And what I just wrote down, and we could actually end the episode right now with these two important words that you just said, treat people. And to me, if you value the customer to the point where you're going to treat them as if they were kings or queens, ultimately that attitude goes inside the business and you're treating your people right. You want to create a sticky company? Just treat people right. 
And this point is so important. When it's a sticky place, the customers find it sticky too. It's all over the place. It's part of the entire culture. And it's why somebody said, I was walking through the parking lot where I lived the other day, and someone told me that she was going to see a dentist that was 60 miles away in in another state. And she said, I know it sounds crazy, but I used to live there. And I had this emergency one day a couple of years ago when I lived there. And this dentist was awesome. I would have never found them any other way. So now I feel she drives 60 miles and she stays with family just to see that dentist. I mean, people today are inconvenienced when there's five people in front of them in a line at a store and she's driving 60 miles to see someone. That dentist created a sticky connection with the customer where she would rather wait and drive to see that. Den- people don't like to go to the dentist at all. But in this case, she's like making a whole day out of it. It's a whole experience. I love your analogy. If the customer is blindly loyal, you're creating stickiness with that element, you know, then I would almost think that the analogy inside is similar. I hope this is okay to share, but the place where I have my car serviced is not where I bought tires. And it was time to rotate the tires. And I set that up to correspond with at the place where I normally go with an oil change in a state inspection. And the person on the other end of the phone said, you know, they will rotate the tires for free where you bought the tires. And I said, yeah, but you're my spot. You're my shop. So I trust them more. I would pay to have it done there rather than take it somewhere else. And so it's a two-way street because I recommend that place to everybody. It's its own marketing. So the things that we're talking about, like you mentioned, it goes way beyond It goes way beyond just that sticky team. So I imagine if you're an owner and you've got goals and you know you need to share them with your people and even say, look, we may not be hitting these this year, but I sure damn well want to push. Is that a critical component? I think that it helps galvanize a team. Why is that important? There was a study a long time ago. You can't do this kind of thing anymore. It's almost the basis of the show Survivor. And it was a study at a camp at a place called, I believe it was Robber's Cave Park, and there was a camp there. They were experimenting with the campers who were like 10 to 13 years old, I think, about what created cohesion. And initially, they created competition among them in the small groups, and they would stick with their team and their flag and that sort of thing. And they wanted to see, well, how do we now get them to work together? They did social things, like they had a pizza party and they had everybody together for that. Didn't work. They'd have a movie night. They'd all watch a movie together. Didn't work. What worked when they got them all together working on a big goal that they could only solve if they worked together? So I believe in the actual scenario, there was like a water truck that they put in a ditch. And the only way to get the water truck out is if all the campers had ropes around this truck and were pulling it all out at the same time. Obviously, this wasn't a giant truck that I'm describing, but they would have all had to work together to do it. So when an owner says, here are the things we want to achieve as a team, as an organization, and those are challenging, that can galvanize people together. And particularly if there are, what are the clear benefits of doing that? Because if you really have an ownership culture where people, you want people to take a proprietary interest, share some of the spoils with them as well. I've always liked incentives where individuals can get something for doing achieving a certain goal, but also the whole team gets something if the whole team achieves a bigger goal. We did it together. We did it together. That's pretty powerful. You're having pizza, you're going out, you're doing bowling. I mean, all of these are connected stories to tell. And those stories, being able to reflect on that and share those stories is part of how you create a culture. 
is by telling the stories and sharing what happened. And sometimes this happens spontaneously. I've sat around enough shops where I've heard telling stories, like something that somebody thought was impossible to do, or there was a short timeline, or there was no way to get the part or whatever it was, and they were able to come through for the person. I'm sitting there waiting for my car, and I'm hearing the stories. Well, that's creating a culture. They're doing it spontaneously, but you actually, an owner wants to be conscious of it. And sharing with people, oh, yeah, you know, three years ago, we had a situation like that and we kicked butt and we made it happen. So it's letting people know we can do this because we've done it before. A lot of times in situations where there's something big, important or stressful going on, people forget, like we tend to think very short term, get a little tunnel vision when people are overstressed. And we forget that maybe we did this before. Maybe we accomplished this before. So the owner and others can start telling stories about the last time this happened. Here's what we did. Because you're creating this through line. Not only can we do this, but we've done it before. This is just who we are. It's Carm here talking to you about what the Napa Auto Care Center program can do for your business. You probably already know the Napa brand is the most recognized and trusted name in the automotive aftermarket industry. In fact, studies show that nearly 95% of consumers recognize Napa and associate it with quality parts, service, and technical expertise. So why not complete a pro-image upgrade and take advantage of that? ProImage is a co-branding program for the exterior and interior of your shop. On the outside, it includes the Napa colors and distinctive Napa signage. While the public may know you as a reliable locally owned business, a ProImage upgrade helps set your shop apart from the competition even further. It's also a visual signal to customers and potential customers that you and Napa are partners. Most importantly, Pro Image really works. This co-branding opportunity has helped Napa Auto Care Centers across the country increase their car counts and sales. In fact, those that have completed a Pro Image project enjoy an average 23% sales increase during the first year. Pro Image upgrades are also available for the interior of your shop. A Pro Image interior upgrade transforms your customer waiting area from merely utilitarian to warm and welcoming. The goal is to maintain your shop's independent identity while enhancing the customer's experience. You can get a free look at what a pro image exterior or interior upgrade could look like by visiting the Napa Auto Care members site and clicking on the pro image link under the Napa Pro Image tab. Or contact your local Napa Auto Parts store. Your servicing Napa store can tell you more about pro image, plus the hundreds of other reasons to become part of the Napa Auto Care family, the largest network of independent automotive repair shops in the country. You know what I love about stories? Uh, for, number one, if you have a daily, a weekly, or a monthly meeting, you need to almost put an agenda item called story time, okay? And not necessarily should it be from the owner, but think of the value that story time has for a new employee. They're coming in and they're getting immersed in the culture and the history of the business by someone new telling one of their favorite stories about their life here at work. 100%. And creating a culture where you do that, I'm encourage people to do it, is how the legends get passed along uh, by telling those stories. So it's one thing if I say it, I'm the owner. It's another thing if a team member says it. When you have team members telling stories that happened to somebody else, like, oh, yeah, I, you know, they, they told me about the time that Joe did X, Y, or Z. That's when it's embedded in there, when people are talking about that, too. 
nothing like being in that meeting and being the silent one, but people are talking about you and they're heaping praise and or just the story is probably, uh, you know, maybe not be in praise, but a situation that you were in and then you got out of, that speaks volumes for character. It speaks volumes for, like you say, the, the culture of the business. And it speaks culture for the camaraderie inside the business. Wow. 100%. And stories are easy to remember. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's usually a challenge and something that was overcome. And so that's super important. There's a 360 degree assessment tool that I used to use in the past. And one of the ratings was how often in your culture do the leaders tell stories about successes that have happened in the business? And I started to think about that. Like my best mentors were really good storytellers and you don't have to be a phenomenal storyteller to make an impact. But I remember some of those key things. And during the time that you and I have known each other, we've both shared a lot of stories about things that happened And those things are just, they're sticky, like the culture you're trying to create. Lately, I've been getting into this incredible story mode. You know, of course, my daughter, Tracy, works with me. She's my right hand. I got to start sharing some stories because I've been around this earth long enough to have a bunch. I would love to be the psychologist interviewer of both of you for that episode. I know that breaks the format, but... I want to be in the in the virtual room for that conversation. We may have to work that out. But every once in a while, if something happens to me and it just dredges up a story. And I'm not telling it publicly on the podcast or to anyone, but I'm going to, if you will, a note taker. And I'm putting that story down so that I, you know, wow, that, that was good. I forgot about that. And there's a message there. I have this huge message that happened to me a while back about how I lost one of my biggest, biggest customers ever and how I groveled for months to get that person back and why it happened. And, and frankly, I just recently saw these two partner shop owners just last week saw them and I told them that I'm going to tell this story and they don't remember it. Because to them, it was insignificant, but yet pretty big at the time. But I fixed the problem. I fixed the issue, if you will, that it became a, a non-issue to them. But for me, it changed my life from, I think it was 25 years ago. It changed my life. And I want to do a podcast episode on that. And it's all about not thinking out loud and just let that hang in the air for a minute. I said something I should have never said, and I think it has value today in our world of dash cams and video and people hearing something out of context. We get into an opinion mode about what this individual did, said, is like, who they are, who they're not. I got to share that. Anyway, thanks for taking this dive off to the right here with me. But I guess you got to hire the right people, too, if you want to keep the, you know, a sticky organization. And I'm going to bring it back around to what you were just talking about, which is that there's a it's the story isn't just something that we're telling internally. And maybe they're not positive ones. Maybe there's some where the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but what we learned from that. Now, in the situation that you gave, there was a lot that happened that you were able to then do some repair work behind the scenes that brought that that client back had an impact on you, even though to them, it was not something that impacted them the same way. Having stories that we tell, even in the recruitment process that demonstrate what kind of organization we are, are really important because we want to share with somebody right off the bat, what is it like to work here? Getting a job is like going away to school. We ask high school students 
to make the biggest decision of their lives. And they're, they're the least equipped to do it. My analogy is you can't take the school out for a test drive like you can take a car out for a test drive. I can get into a car. I can drive around in it. I can see myself, how high is the ceiling and these seats, are they comfortable or whatever? You can't do that with a college, right? When we're asking high school students all over the country to do this like 11th going into 12th grade. It's the same with a job. They can't like hang out at your shop for a couple of days just to see what it's like. They're making a decision before they're there. And so the storytelling is also part of identifying a lot about our culture by what we share about it. And so we're starting that process right off the bat with somebody who's not yet in the organization. We're trying to make sure that they understand this is a place you want to work. And here's why. The why is super important. I'm passionate about the hows to do things today. We talk a lot of strategy. We're, of course, a business acumen podcast, have been for seven years. And it's not about, okay, we got this problem. Next episode, okay, we got this problem. No, we have this problem and here's how to fix it. Here's how to make it better. Here's how to implement. So my whole world is all about how. So thank you for coming here and doing the how for us. I guess when you hire somebody, or the whole entire team, they've got to know what your vision or your future is for this business. They do. And you can define vision in whatever way works for you as an owner, but giving somebody an idea of what the future looks like is important because the more they know about the future, the more trust they have that this is a place where there is going to be a future. (laughs) That's really important is even unconsciously as somebody's planning where to work, They want to know that if there's a plan for an expansion, if there's a plan for, yeah, we're going to open a shop in this other town, or here's what we're doing to increase our capacity, or here's how we're training people to learn technologies um, that we think are really impacting the business right now. That is super important. Here are services that we're considering offering um, that are even outside of our own physical shop, things that we can do outside of here. It excites people to know that somebody has an idea about where they want to be in the future. The more that we can reduce their uncertainty about the future, the better off we'll be in recruiting and in other ways also, even with the current staff. I just had a thought. I'm doing a a performance review. Or forget that. I'm just sitting down with my people. Hey, come on in the office, Dave. Let's let's sit down and let, let you and I have a chat. And one of the key questions that I want to ask that person, do you feel you belong to this organization? Wow. Could that tell you loads? And if they don't, what would make you feel like you do? You know, what can we do next to make you, if you will, more sticky? And to create a place where you really, really enjoy being, what would do that? So how would you know internally if your place isn't a sticky organization? There's a company that I work with where they have people they call eight and skate employees. And I didn't know what that term meant. I said, what what is eight and skate? They're like, they're here for eight hours and then they skate out the door. They don't linger around. They don't put in any extra effort. They leave whenever they can to do something elsewhere. So if it's going out for lunch or grabbing a cup of coffee or taking a smoke break, there's not this magnetic attraction to the organization. It's a place where they're not super happy about being. You have to have some situational awareness also as a leader to notice whether or not people seem positive and energized or they don't. What does that look like? It, you know, it looks like a person who's kind of like, hey, how you doing? Um, I'm okay. <laughs> the actions speak louder than the words there. So someplace you really can't wait to get into in the morning. Yeah. You know, they're shaking their head. No, but they're saying, yeah. And so looking for the disconnects, looking, for example, 
a verbal answer that doesn't match the body language of the person is really important. If you're talking to them and they're walking out and they keep going, that's a, a pretty good clue that even the social convention of stopping and talking to somebody isn't more powerful than their desire to leave. And you know, when you go into a place where there's a vibe, Sometimes you can't explain why it's there, but you can really explain when it's not. You just see people are just not energized and excited about being there. Customer walks in, nobody looks up. You know, somebody pulls onto the lot and nobody cares. It's like you just kind of get that feeling about a place. I was laughing there because, you know, Dave was putting all this body language in his remarks and his head was down. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Some people are listening. To yeah, this. that's okay. You know, we'll put this out as a video too, but. I couldn't help but think, I don't know why I think in these kind of analogies, but if your employee is looking at you in the rearview mirror and that was your thing of walking away, well, there's an indicator. Brilliant. And I think as a leader, and if you're looking to create the sticky organization and you see all the things that Dr. Dave's been talking about, then you know what you got to do. You've probably seen tons of mistakes companies make. You've probably helped guide them. What's some of the... uh things we need to uh, we need to prevent or be aware of. You want to be clear about the goals of why we're here and what we do, number one. People need to understand what the purpose is that's driving the entity. Because if you see yourself as a problem solver, it's okay to say that. Some people might have, for example, an engineering background, and they like understanding the root cause of a problem before they start solving it, because that would help them decide where to start. But being very clear about the terms that we're using. What are the goals here? What are the roles and responsibilities here? If you see something going wrong, can you tell me about that or not? Do we have a feedback culture, in other words, where that's appropriate? People watch how an owner responds to somebody who has a question or an idea. Everybody can see that. Unless there's some office or like, you know, the cone of silence they used to use in the old TV show, Get Smart, which never worked, by the way. But like, People are watching. People are watching the boss and how the boss reacts. So if somebody has a suggestion and the boss rolls his eyes back of his head or rolls her eyes to the back of her head, then they're showing disrespect to an idea and everybody else can see that. The positive side that having a feedback culture is extremely important for a sticky organization because ideas help connect us together. And so if the boss is a genius and everyone else is an idiot, you won't have a sticky culture. If they roll their eyes when somebody's mentioning something they think is important, whether it's a question or a solution or an idea, everybody sees that you won't have a sticky place there. If it's a disorganized, dirty place, it's unlikely to be sticky, except if people enjoy dirty, disorganized places. And a lot of customers don't like that. <laughs> a customer doesn't want to walk out after they sat down in a chair and waited for something in someone's shop and then have to wash the clothes that they just wore in there. I've known some people in the past is, listen, I'm a problem solver. Just come to me for this stuff. And then they don't. It's kind of a moment, you, someone you can't get behind. I think you lose respect for the organization and energy to show up every day. And give your all, like you said, here's a great idea, and it ends up becoming the owner's idea, and he never shares. Hey, listen, you know, I've thought, been thinking about this, and, and Dave came to me with this, and we're, we're doing all this great stuff together. Anyone else have any other ideas? And it's almost like fixing or approaching to create a sticky culture starts not only with you, but involving the team. I try to avoid asking a group, what are your ideas about X? I say, why don't we talk about solving this? I want to go around the room and get each person's ideas. Larry, what do you think? 
and they get the clue that I want everybody's idea. Not everybody does their best thinking in front of other people. So if someone says, I don't know, I'm going to say, I want to catch up with you one-on-one, maybe tomorrow, and see if anything's occurred to you. So we're showing respect for the fact that not everybody has their best ideas in a meeting setting and that we're going to get back in touch with them. But I think a lot of leaders have had the experience of asking a group a question and nobody answers. So I don't recommend doing that. I say, let's, I want to hear what everybody thinks. Let's start with you. And they just go right around the room and offer, offer ideas. Also, I would say something like, I can't necessarily adopt and do every idea that we have but I'm going to respond to every idea we have. Like we value that. And so even if we can't use it right away, I'm really happy that you shared it. We might find a use for it another time. Because people know when a boss is asking just to ask. Now you were giving the example earlier of the boss taking someone's idea and doing it. When the boss already has an idea and is asking just because they read in a management book that you should ask people's opinions. And then they don't do any of those things. And they just say, okay, I appreciate everybody. Here's what we're going to do. And it's not what anybody else volunteered. That's an issue because that's dishonest. And we talked about trust a couple minutes ago as being a key to creating a sticky organization. So people have to feel valued for the ideas that they have. And you don't want them to withhold good ideas they have because they think, oh, this is pointless. He's never going to, or she, you know, the boss is never going to do anything that I suggest. You know, it's about them, not about you. And I guess if you can approach, no matter if it's a one-on-one or a team meeting or customer, it's always about them. Exactly right. Okay. Pathways to a higher level, improved roles. I mean, some people, they really want a career path, bigger and stronger than just doing the particular job they were hired for. And I believe today, more than ever, Dr. Dave, this is becoming huge in the interview process. And that would be that the technician or the service advisor is talking to this owner and saying, where can I go? People want to know that there is a structure for what's happening to them in the future, that there's a progression there. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean there's specific roles and titles. That does help when there are because people can see the pathway um, more clearly. But the idea that there are opportunities for them to grow in that place are really important. And don't be afraid during the interview to ask them what their vision for that is, because their timeline may be faster than yours, which could be good for you. Their timeline might be faster than yours, which might not be good for you. If I know the person is motivated to do more right off the bat, my idea of what they may be able to contribute might be different than if I didn't get that information by asking. So we want to be super open to that and what the person sees in their own future. Do they want to own their own place one day? Do they want to run their own place one day? Do they want to learn more about the financial side of a service business and how that works? How is the pricing set up? How do you make a profit here? What are the, you know... All of those things, if we can know in advance, aside from the part that we were just talking about, which is having pathways to higher level roles and having pathways there that people can follow to learn more, do more, earn more, what do they see in their own future also? Like, let's learn about that as soon as we can, because we can create a development path for them based on that. And of course, they need to learn processes first. We don't want people changing things that they don't even, they don't know how they work yet. I do like the idea that somebody comes in with a thought about where they'd like to be. And they might say, I don't really have an idea. That's what I'm coming to you for. I really want to learn more about the business and how I might contribute to it later. My listener at the other end, and thank you all, by the way, for being here. Small shop, 
six-person shop, single location, saying, well, okay, I'm going to turn the podcast off now because they're talking about these big multi-shops and I'm going to grow and do all this stuff. So I come up with a couple of ideas, Dr. Dave, and that is if I have this small entity yet, but it's it's doing the seven figures and it's successful, it's making money, I'm ready to hire somebody new says, hey, what else can I do here besides just wrench? Let me just throw a couple of wild ideas out there. Number one, uh, well, we're we're looking to put one of our techs in a position of being the lead training coordinator. What training should we go to? Help me create the resume on all the people that are here. Make the recommendations of the training that we need to go to. If I'm doing advanced uh, diagnostics, you know, for ADAS, do I have a lead ADAS individual who's being trained on all of that. What about my equipment lead? The person who's looking at all the latest equipment and making a recommendation from the team up to the ownership. And then what about productivity lead? An individual looking to cut as many steps out of the processes. So the thing is, get creative, go beyond the fact that I have a manager here and me. And I don't have any other really high tech <laughs> director of positions. I don't think you need them. I would do exactly what you're just describing because there's so many aspects of the business. I'd also just sort of be curious about what the person is naturally interested in. Sometimes I have found the seeds of their motivation are not in the things they do at work, but the things they do at home. And so learning more about that would be super interesting. Let's say somebody's an avid fisherman. Do I want all the fishermen bringing their gear here, their trucks and other things that might have special equipment on it that we would understand? Yeah. So it's possible that just learning more about that person and what their hobbies and pastimes are might lead us to something that otherwise we wouldn't have thought about at all. I know that there's, you know, every once in a while you'll see a place where there's a certain kind of car there. They don't have a sign on the side that says we specialize in Volvos or whatever it is. Another shop that I saw always seemed to have a few motorcycles out front. It's really interesting. Why? Because the owner of the shop was an avid, avid, avid motorcycle enthusiast. One day there was, happened to be a delivery driver there who was on a motorcycle. Did you think they stopped and talked for 20 minutes about motorcycles? Yes, they did. So it just tapped into this. It had nothing to do with the exchange. But do you think that the guy who dropped off the parts with a motorcycle now really likes going to that shop and might go the extra mile or do something extra for them? Within the organization, though, to get back to your point, because I'm the most tangential person in the world, the idea that you can envision with that person or create, even in a small environment, opportunities for growth. And it really does matter. When somebody's title changes, if they're made the assistant service coordinator or the assistant service supervisor, whatever, the assistant manager, they go home and they tell everybody they know, hey, I got a promotion today. They feel good about it. And so those things really do matter. And it gets right back to the point of creating a sticky organization, even if it's a small, small team. How important is... Uh well-organized, clean workplace? I think it's super important. One of the very first shops that I ever went to was a retired race car driver in the Pennsylvania, where I'm in, in Pennsylvania. And the person who recommended the shop said, you're going to walk in there and that place looks like an operating studio in a hospital. It looks like an operating room. So I had that in my mind. When I walked in there, that place looked like an operating room. It was like super clean. Everything was super well organized. And when there's a lot of visual clutter around, that's what the person's eye is drawn to is all the stuff all over the place. I believe that part of that sticky organization concept, both for team and for customers, is a place that is clean and well organized. It sends a message that we value that. 
and that we're detail oriented and there's not just stuff all over the place. By the way, you tell great stories, by the way, you, you can dig down really deep and tell those great stories. Okay, let's try to put a bow on this thing. And an individual is coming in, you have a job opening and this individual is looking to leave. Talk about a way to learn about the stickiness of their organization that maybe they don't have that you're trying to create. So learning from people's past jobs and your competition is really important, I think. I like in that scenario, asking people some open-ended questions. Tell me about the best place you ever worked. Why was it the best? Tell me about a place that you weren't super happy at and why it wasn't a place that you were super happy and let them fill in all the details because they're going to tell you in the best place what they found sticky about it and in the, the place they didn't feel so good about why it wasn't a good place. I really do think those open-ended questions reveal quite a bit. No doubt that you can learn an awful lot to see if that individual will be a fit in your organization, especially if after you listen to this episode, you turn yourself your new leaf and say, listen, we're about ready to do this. Now, here's the deal. If you want to turn over a new leaf, like I just said, then one of the ways, don't do it yourself. Share this episode with Dr. Dave, with your team, even individually. He says, listen, why don't you all go listen to this episode, uh, you know, and next Monday we're going to get together. You know, we'll have a pizza at five o'clock next, next Monday. And we're going to talk about this because I need you to help create this because our future depends on it. That's an excellent path forward for it. And it is something that when you co-create it, then people get the sense that their ideas matter. And six months from now, they're going to have another idea. Oh, what if we did this thing? What if we had a certain kind of training hour or whatever it was that we do um, once a month or that we have a guest speaker come in from a supplier or whatever it is, or that we go out to a supplier? You know, I only see what they drop off, but we're going to take out and show, show you where it came from. Those kinds of things, those investments really do matter. And it's always great when it comes from the team. Doesn't have to just come from the team, but it's always awesome when it does. This is great. Always pleasure and an honor to have you on. Uh, great insights. I appreciate this. How to create a sticky organization with Dr. Dave Wyman from WymanConsulting.com. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 